1: It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home.
2: In our last Sex and Parenthood episode, number 146, we talked a bit about polyamory with sex therapist Esther Perel. And we heard from a few of you that you're definitely curious about how polyamorous parents are doing their thing. Because while there's nothing new about sleeping with lots of people, there is a relatively new awareness and vocabulary about how that can be done ethically and transparently. Plus, it seems that anecdotally, an increasing number of young adults have stopped treating lifelong monogamy as a given when they enter relationships. So we got curious. What does that mean for parenthood? This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Andre Salenzi and today on the show, we'll get to know three polyamorous parents in a Midwestern city that are part of a community called the Polycule. Polycule is a common name for a tight-knit group of polyamorous adults. In the Polycule, you can text with your husband about gift ideas for his girlfriend. In the polycule, your kid's first sleepover could happen because she loves hanging out with your wife's new boyfriend and his daughter. And when the group gets together for a Thanksgiving dinner or a backyard barbecue, there are all these kids running around who've known each other their whole lives, like a big family. And for all these reasons and more, my guests say that polyamory has made them better partners and parents. Polycule started with five or six core members and has grown to 10. Most of them are in their 30s. Many are bi or queer. Half of them are married. Half of them are raising kids, ranging from three to 10 years old. And there are all kinds of relationships within this group. The one thing that they all have in common is no one wants to be in a strictly monogamous relationship.
3: The standard narrative of relationship is that it's an escalator that leads to marriage, and then you spend the rest of your life with that person, and voila.
2: This is James. Not his real name. No one here is using real names. James is married with two kids, and he and his wife Edna even hosted the Polycule Thanksgiving this year.
3: So when I told my best friend that I was non-monogamous and we had an open marriage, he asked, where are those relationships going? And I looked at him and said, where is our relationship going? Like, you know, it doesn't have to go anywhere. It can just be what it's going to be. You don't need to have it lead to, you know, a house in the suburb and two kids and a dog and all of that. It can just be what it's going to be.
2: But yours did.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, he doesn't have a dog. No dog.
2: Okay. The guy teasing James is Ryan, also a dad. And he shares three different girlfriends with James.
4: There's a little bit of a joke in that everyone— James dates, I start dating six months later.
5: (laughs) There's also the... (laughs)
4: Sometimes the delay's a little longer, but yeah, that
3: that does seem to be a pattern.
5: Ryan also likes to um, poke at the fact that I keep dating his girlfriend. That's also true.
2: (laughs) Keeping track of who's dating whom can be hard to do with this group. Like, take our third guest, Dina. She dates James's wife, Edna, sometimes, but not James himself. They're friendly, though. They love talking about engineering. Dina and Ryan, they've been dating for four years now. They live in the same building. They carpool their two daughters together. And they're so close, people keep trying to invite them to things as a couple, which they hate because they identify as solo. Neither of them wants to live with or marry anyone ever again.
4: Well, I've been in two long-term relationships that followed that structure. Is The difficulty I got is, if I make that person the most important person, is are they more important than me? And I think part of being solo is reclaiming the idea of I'm the most important person. And that isn't about, oh, I'm selfish and I take everything and I never give. It's not about that, but it's about when you start framing putting a relationship a, you know, if the goal of a monogamous marriage is for one person to put the other person above themselves, I kind of question whether that's even a healthy thing to start with.
2: Really? Okay, so guys, if uh, if I was telling you that a, a nuclear bomb is heading to the Midwest, and these are your last,
4: you know, 10 seconds on Earth. Why would anyone bomb the Midwest? Because <laughs> it's where all the nuclear <laughs> are. That's all funny. right, all right, all right, let her talk, let her talk. <laughs>
2: okay, so Kim Jong <laughs> got it wrong on the map, and um, here we go. Who do you close your eyes and think about if you want to think about love in your last seconds on Earth? Is there a person that that matters to you in a different way here?
3: One giant
4: puppy pile. All of them, yeah.
2: Yeah, oh my God, let me take that one. Yeah. There's There's
5: been so much that I've gone through as as having lived with someone for 16 years, and I left them three years ago. Now I'm solo. And everything that we have built over the last several years— with the people around me, is amazing. Like I would think about, I would think about moments in which I've had everybody together. I would think about Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm.
3: The last Thanksgiving we had, I don't know, twenty people, and I think everybody. There was two people who only were dating one person there, but it was most people were, you know connected to multiple people there and everybody's kids. And it was just really lovely. And we spent all day cooking together, hanging out, and yeah.
2: It's probably
5: the best Thanksgiving I've ever had.
2: But that doesn't mean the Polycule is free of conflict or drama. There are fallouts, like the year Edna's girlfriend's husband and Edna's boyfriend broke up and stopped talking to each other. There are occasionally new partners who start coming along to group outings, And even though the group is open to new members, that doesn't mean everyone will necessarily like the new guy. And while you can't really cheat, you can betray the group's trust. The polycule has strict rules around protection and around consent. But James, Ryan, and Dina say the challenges of maintaining a respectful community are worth it because that same group can turn around and support you. For James and his wife, Edna, it helped make their 20-year marriage possible, like, take what happened a year and a half ago.
3: We were in a really rough patch in our relationship. Uh, I had lost a parent. We had a house that was just, has been an ongoing disaster. She was still a little bit in postpartum depression from our second child. And the eclipse was coming up. And we had talked about, oh, are we are going to try to pack up? At that point, it was a uh, three and a one-year-old.
2: Just so you know, Edna didn't want to have her voice recorded for this episode, but we ran the story by her to make sure we were getting it all right. Edna tells us that she asked James if she could go out on her own to see the eclipse without him or the kids.
3: One of the things I think is hugely valuable about polyamory and having meaningful relationships outside of your co-parenting relationship is you get to be a damn adult by yourself.
2: James encouraged her to go on the trip which is going to be with her girlfriend, Bernice, whose mom lived in the path of the eclipse. And Bernice also invited her girlfriend, and her girlfriend invited Ryan.
3: And and that was really,
4: really good for us.
2: What happened on that trip that was so transformational for her?
4: I mean, it sounds incredibly egocentric to say apparently me.
2: This, again, is Ryan, who tends to date everyone that James dates. And this eclipse trip is where it all began, for Ryan and James's wife, Edna. They'd hung out as acquaintances for years. But on the trip, Edna decided, okay, the opportunity comes up to kiss him. I'm going for it.
4: We had connected uh, on the car ride down over uh, X-Men from the 80s uh, and some of the uh, superheroes. And we were bonding over the obscure and random superpowers that they had. And somehow we both knew them. And that's where we kind of realized, hey, we, you know, actually have a lot of stuff in common and kind of got to talking after that. And that's when, you know, you kind of start making eyes and see how things go. And that's where chemistry hits in.
2: And then about a day or two into the trip, they kissed. Part of what was so healing for Edna wasn't just getting away from the family and catching up on sleep. But it was the thrill of lounging around in bed with her girlfriend, her girlfriend's girlfriend, and this new guy who she was really into.
4: I think it was actually Edna who made the comment of, we were all waking up like the the first or the second morning and just laying there and out of the blue, she comments something around, it's nice to just lay here and not have to actually get up or not have anyone telling me I have to get up. And I think we just laid there till like 11 or something, just laid there all morning with no plans. Like some people were reading, some people were playing on their phones, some people were talking and just having none of that responsibility.
3: And a new relationship energy is just a really powerful drug. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that that puppy love of like falling for somebody for the first time, it, to some degree, that's one of the things that like I don't get about monogamous people. Like how could you n- not want to fall in love again <laughs> or have a first kiss ever again? Like, like there's just a buzz there and it, it invigorates other
4: relationships in your life. As well, if if you're careful.
2: The eclipse was pretty cool, too.
4: Felt very, I'll say cosmic, but you two are going to glare at me. <coughs> yes, yes, we are. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't even date him. I
3: don't know how you put <laughs> up with it.
5: I secretly love it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it that, sending her on that trip was like the best thing I had done for my marriage in a decade. <laughs> like,
2: Do you feel like Ryan helped your marriage?
3: Yeah, I would say he did.
4: Oh, I didn't know that side. That makes me happy.
3: There was some jealousy when he and Edna started dating, but that was because me and Edna were having a tough patch in our marriage because of all of the extenuating things. It wasn't because of their relationship with
4: each other. You will hear people within the poly community talk about how you're not supposed to feel jealous or you're not supposed to... You know, have that kind of stuff. And it and it really bothers me. And I think the thing it comes back to is jealousy is a feeling. And not to loop it back to my kid, but the conversation with her is feelings are not wrong. Like, how do you deal with feelings? What are the actions you can choose from that? And and where do you take away from that? But the feelings themselves, if you start to stigmatize those, you start to create problems. And I think jealousy in the poly community ends up being that one feeling that we're all supposed to spend a great deal of time stamping out and never feeling again.
2: Is it ever prohibitive, that feeling? Does it ever I don't know, has it ever been really disruptive in your life?
4: Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Make lots of <laughs> lots of really bad decisions when you're in a state of um, temporary insanity in ways, depending on how strongly it is, of course.
2: See, like, for me as someone in her 30s who doesn't want to be dating anymore, who is, I'm like so excited for monogamy so I don't have to go through those emotional highs and (laughs) lows anymore. Oh, God, dating is horrible.
3: Who who told you that? No. Monogamy (laughs) means no more emotional (laughs) highs and lows. (laughs) They've lied. Wow. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I have way more fights and conflict with my wife because we share a house together and we share finances. And those are things that can lead to fights. I rarely have kind of that type of conflict with other people in my life because We're not as financially tied to each other, and we're not as, you know, there's not the—
2: Because you don't share a dishwasher, you can say it. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. How much sex are you guys having in your lives? So I think you're asking this
5: question because the other thing that people think about polyamory, which makes me endlessly amused, is that everybody's having sex, like, all the time, constantly.
2: You're not. Why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> and well, okay, so I, I mean, got a
4: carpool out of it. I don't
2: <laughs> <laughs> So, so I mean,
5: like I will answer the question of like how much am I having, right? But I think I'm probably the best one to almost dispel this myth because these two guys are doing pretty well from themselves. Well done, guys. Whereas I spent three years with Ryan being essentially my only sexual partner.
3: Yeah, I don't think any more or less than
4: other folks necessarily. I, I would very much answer less. I'm probably two or three times a week right now, depending on the week. Uh, whereas when I was with my, my last long-term relationship, um, we were more than double that. There's a polyamory joke that
3: what do you mean having sex with my partner last night? We were too busy processing feelings <laughs> like <laughs> you get together and like you gotta you know chat about what's going on in your life. you gotta catch up with each other and I mean, there's texting and messaging in between, but yeah, I mean
4: i I don't know that it's any more or less
2: because even in the polycule, there can be dry spells.
4: I remember us having both having that conversation of just what is the, the we have, point <laughs> right. <laughs> the
3: point is emotional support and all of that
5: but right right
2: (laughs) right emotional support and all that sounds pretty handy when you're raising kids we'll talk about what it's like to parent in the polycule
0: stay with us
4: (laughs) 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 advertisements
0: It's
1: hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home.
2: We're back, and I'm here with three members of the Polycule. A Midwestern community of polyamorous adults, there's James, Ryan, and Dina, all parents. James is our only guest who's married. He has a three and a five-year-old. Ryan has a four-year-old girl who he co-parents with his ex-wife. Dina's daughter is nine. She also co-parents with her ex. And they all face questions from their kids about their partners, especially Dina.
5: I have a rule, which is basically one question, one answer. If my child asks me a question, I give her one very clear answer, and I do not extrapolate, and I do not carry on. And she seems to have very much appreciated that. Can you give me an example of a question and answer? Are you and Ryan going to get married? Nope. We have no plan to get married. And then she might carry on to, well, why? And then I would say, well, because that's not something we want. And we've had these conversations where, you know, it's she's trying to go down the line of, well, what are you doing and who are these people and who are they in your life and what do you, you know, what do you want out of that? We've had enough conversation to get to the point where I've said, well, I mean, you know that I I really care for a couple of people in my life. You know that I'm seeing actually uh, two women right now. You know that, right? and. You know, so we'll have some of those basic level conversations, but you know, she doesn't need to know the details. No one wants to know the details, Mother, mother.
2: <laughs> but do you ever talk to her about whether or not she can share that information outside of the home with you? Nope. if she happens
5: to if she happens to share something, with somebody and I have to have a long conversation with a with another parent about how she can't hang out with them, or people can't come over to my house because they're uncomfortable, then, you know, that's, it's what I got to do. But I'm not going to hide myself. That's, that's not going to happen.
2: Was there ever a moment where you thought maybe you wouldn't be out to your kids?
3: Back when we were kind of more on the swinger side of the ledger.
2: The swinger side of things, meaning back when James and his wife were sleeping around but not forming meaningful relationships with other people.
3: I uh, yes, that we wouldn't that would not have been something we would have shared because then it's not nearly as emotional orientated. But as we became more open and and more towards polyamory, loving more than one person is not something we want to have to hide from our children, and it's not something we think we should be ashamed of.
5: I'd love to share a story with you. About um, when I was pregnant. Yes. So when I was pregnant, I had a phone conversation with my mother because I was going through a lot. I mean, pregnant women go through a lot. We go through a lot of hormonal change and we're very emotional. And I thought oh man, you know, I'm bringing this person into this world and I can't be doing all this. Like I can't be going out and dating people and like being all wild and crazy and doing this stuff. Like I gotta buckle down. I gotta be a proper mom, you know, like all this stuff. Like I had this, this attitude about what motherhood had to be. I figured the best person I could talk to was my mother who... um, I've, I've always been really transparent with. She, she knew every, pretty much everything about my life. So I call her up and I'm like, mom, I'm just so stressed out and I'm so emotional about this. And I feel like I I can't date other people anymore. And I really just, I really just gotta be, I gotta be with Jack, my, my husband at the time. And I just gotta do that. And what do you think? And my mom's been through a lot. She's she grew up in a in a household that was they're very conservative in in a number of ways and she she left that and she left her her family and she says <laughs> she says to me she she kind of laughs it laughs a little bit she goes you know I think that you just have to be yourself as a parent i mean I think that This is just you, and you can't question that. You need to just do what makes you happy. And, man, that stuck with me. I walked away from that, and I just thought, the greatest disservice that I could do to my child would be to not show her what is a perfectly natural part of myself and my own desire and my own life, and that... You can live a lot of different ways.
2: But can't you imagine it being hard on her, right? She's watching the same Disney movies as all the other kids and kind of absorbing the same messages from the culture. And then knowing that, that you are living an alternate lifestyle, right, outside of the, social, the cultural norms. <laughs> so how do you talk to her about what that means and, and, and almost prepare her for the world? Oh, gosh, I love that question.
5: The reason being, I think it is so much harder on, and I I can only speak for the little girls, guys, but it's so much harder on the little girls to present them with these bizarre ideals and then chuck them out in the world as if it's reality. When we watch movies, we talk all the time about what she thinks about it or i will ask questions like hmm do you think it was a good idea that they are like planning to live together for the rest of their lives after knowing each other for 2 days like is that
4: what do you think about that even elsa thought that was a bad idea <laughs> i i guess as as the as my daughter's growing up um she'll mention she's already talked about like how many girlfriends do you have and we've had a conversation about that <laughs> Have you um, given her a straight answer because I don't know <laughs> it it varies from week it varies from <laughs> week to week No, but i mean she'll 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 mention that, and I guess I'm not excited to have those conversations. I know they're going to happen, but I wouldn't say I'm worried. That isn't a reason to protect her to tell her you should lie, you should let's agree to this story that you're going to uphold with everyone else because that's not setting her up. To form authentic relationships, I mean, that does her a much bigger disservice in the end about, than about worrying about whether I have to have an awkward conversation with a hockey dad.
2: Now, awkwardness with a random hockey dad, no big deal. How about discussing your polyamorous lifestyle with your own parents? Coming up, that's exactly what happens. Don't go away.
1: Say advertisement. Advertisement. Good job. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home.
2: (laughs) Welcome back. So about a year ago, James decided he needed to tell his mom that he and his wife Edna were polyamorous. He didn't want to lie to her when they were out of town with a partner, and he wanted to make sure that she wasn't going to hear it first from his kids.
3: And so I, I sat down and went out to lunch with her and, and told her and, you know, she had the like, well, how the hell did this come about? And like, just, you know, well, I'm disappointed and that type of thing. And she, I think, clearly thinks it's about sex, and I wouldn't have told her if it was about sex. It's about love and family and relationships, and that that's why I think it's something I need to share with people in my life.
2: Ever since that lunch, James and his mom haven't really been able to talk about his polyamory directly.
3: She's only referenced to it twice in the past year. One was when my daughter found out about the concept of a divorce and was excited because that way she could marry all of her friends one after another. And she said this in front of my mom and my mom made the comment, well, at least she's not going to try to marry them all at the same time. And my wife, having none of this, replied, I think that would be more mature, don't you? So, um, (laughs) But, you know, like we, I still have a relationship with my mom. My mom has a fabulous relationship with my children. So it's not, you know, cause that to go south. But like that, that's the only kind of rubbing point in my world about polyamory
4: well while we're talking about parents one of the fun things that happened i guess in the last several months has been edna's dad was in town and my dad lives locally and edna's girlfriend's mom was up as well and so we actually had the the poly parents all kind of meet each other and i think i think this this does relate to kids because i think we all ended up in a place of like understanding a little bit of how our parents affected us in really like them all getting along, and I'm sure there were moments of them all kind of standing off, being like, "What we raised hell? a whole <laughs> lot of really weird kids." Um, what would those
2: conversations be like? What well, do you imagine?
4: My dad hit on Bernice's mom apparently the whole time, so uh,
5: Bernice is Edna's girlfriend. Edna's yeah, girlfriend. Edna's girlfriend.
4: Yeah. Yep. I mean, talking to my dad afterwards was you know oh you know I, I you know he'd met several of my partners and they they were pretty great, and then seeing the other you know kind of the the grandkids, the polycule grandkids, they're running around really just felt like there was like the family was bigger than we than we thought and that was a really really cool thing to walk away from and feeling more secure around uh, support around supportive kids around supportive stuff because I mean the flip side of that is our parents are getting older. I mean we're gonna start dealing with um, I mean I lost my mom as well you know a couple of years ago so having another support system for that this that all ties together mm-hmm. and the kids seeing that I think is a big part of it as well. This support system,
2: helping each other through big, hard life changes, that's a huge appeal of the polycule for our three guests. And because so many of them sleep together, this extended support system can be physical.
5: We as humans have a need for physical touch and physical closeness. And sometimes that's not strictly a sexual thing. Sometimes you're going through something and you need two people to just hold you, or yeah. hug you, or just be close with you. And you are able to to have that in a way that I think that people that are surrounded by supportive friends don't necessarily have.
3: I'm going over to Paula's house ton- tonight because her dog's dying, and she needs somebody to be there and Ryan hadn't gotten that memo yet,
5: so. <laughs> no, Neither have I. <laughs> and we don't
3: have an alias for the dog. <laughs> oh, gosh, she's going to be pissed that you didn't put aliases for all the
1: dogs. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and similar to how a monogamous couple might dream of dying in each other's arms or while holding hands, with the polycule, there are just more hands. You know, what's funny, actually, we kind of have this ongoing
5: joke about how many of us are going to hold each other when Ryan dies.
2: Ryan's going to have lots of mourners given his many girlfriends.
4: The consensus is I'm going to die first, and not just because I think I'm the oldest.
3: <laughs> One of the disturbing things the women of the polycule have decided is fun is listing out how they think all the men of the polycule are going to die. Yep.
4: It's like, yeah, no, that, no,
3: I'm not, not okay. And like, how
5: sad we are and how we're all going to have a widow's house. Yes, and the widow's together. cottage. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> but, I mean, even... At this point, we are enough involved in each other's lives that even if, like, they're no longer sex involved or romantic relationships, yeah, we will be at each other's kids' weddings, we will be at graduations, we'll be at those major milestones.
5: And if not, this present is really, really awesome. So, (laughs) Yep.
2: We want to hear from you. We know ethical non-monogamy takes on so many different forms and we wanna hear about yours. Tell us in the comments for this episode. That's episode number 180. This one was produced by me, Andrea Salenzi with Jackie Sajiko. Our show's creator and executive producer is Hilary Frank. Our engineers are Pete Carum and Jared O'Connell. Our music is performed by hotmoms.gov. We get editorial support from Peter Clowney, Antonia Akatunde, Anne-Marie Baldonado, Rekha Murthy, and Julia Wang. Next time on The Longest Shortest Time, what happens when your elders play wingman on your quest for a husband? My grandma leaned over to me and she said, what about that one? And I said, I was just thinking the same thing. And so I went up to him and I said, hey, you're going out with us tonight. So he did. And then it was Dollar jello Shots. Do not miss this episode. Subscribe to The Longest Shortest Time on Stitcher or wherever you're listening right now. And as always, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we want to hear your stories. Tell us. Go to longestshortesttime.com, hit the Participate tab, and submit your story.
1: Stitcher.
5: (laughs) I say it. Okay. (laughs) ta ta chi